welcome to the Black and White Podcast, where we seek to filter the gray world around us through God's Word, with radical grace, raw truth, and real hope. I'm Denise Pass, and this month we have been discussing connecting in the disconnected world around us, and how appropriate this topic is now with the physical distancing we have. And today I have a special guest with me, Amberly Neese. Guys, Amberly and I both served as interns with the amazing Kathy Lip. And I cannot tell you how happy it makes me to see her coming out with a Bible study and what a Bible study it is. Amberly is a speaker and comedian for two popular national tours, Aspire Women's Events and Marriage Date Night. In addition, she is an author for Abingdon Press. Her latest Bible study, The Belonging Project, releases in May 2020. With a master's degree from Biola University, she serves as an adjunct professor at Grand Canyon University and is the director of development at UCYC, United Christian Youth Camp. Amberly and her husband, Scott, have two teenagers and live in Prescott, Arizona, where they enjoy the great outdoors, the Food Network, and all things Star Wars. Welcome to the show, Amberly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Denise. I'm so honored to be here. I think we first met um, at Leverage, and something that always struck me about you is that you just personified joy at that time. And it's not like it, it was all um, bunny rabbits and rainbows at that time, but the joy of the Lord was so clearly with you, and I'm just so excited to get some encouragement from you today. Well, praise the Lord, and I tell you, you bring a lot of joy, so I think it's easy to be joyful around you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. So I am thinking it would totally rock to have you as a professor. Can I just say that? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) What if you bring like the comedy to your classroom? I'm taking classes right now from Liberty University. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, of course, sadly, I take the Italian part of me and the obnoxious part of me and the humor (laughs) part of me wherever I go. But um, I think uh, even though it's a serious course that I teach, I always try to you know, spur my students on, uh, with some humor because humor like drops our defenses. It actually encourages creativity and innovation. And I teach English and I'm sure you can imagine by the time somebody gets to college, they fall into two camps. Rarely, rarely do I have somebody that's like, eh, I could care less one way or the other. Either they say I'm a, I feel confident in my writing or I'm the worst writer. Like I'm the worst. So (laughs) to me, humor is a, is an equalizer where we say, this is a safe place to make mistakes and learn from our mistakes. But we, I always try to integrate humor. Awesome. Well, and that's a gift too. And laughter is good medicine. So I think your book is needed so much right now. It's kind of ironic. People are aching for connectedness and real relationships just Mm -hmm. in general. But now with this physical separation going on, Who knew that your book would come out at such a time? Agreed. I think clearly I got my sense of humor from my heavenly father because I think this is kind of hilarious that (laughs) at a time where we can't uh, get within six feet of each other, I, I, my Bible study called the whole title is the, the belonging project, finding your tribe and learning to thrive. And I think that there's some irony in that as well. However, I think, you know, first of all, a month ago, if you'd said people are going to be hoarding toilet paper, I would have thought, <laughs> oh, we need to pray for your uh, drug issue because there is no way that people are going to hoard toilet paper. And yet here we are. But the study encourages us to share and care. The study encourages us to indeed like foster community and and love one another well and attack loneliness and all those kind of things. So in a time where I think people feel so incredibly isolated, I think 
God is going to use this for his glory um, in some amazing ways. And I'm really excited about it. I think so too. I really hope you do like an online study because obviously everything is going really online right now. And Agreed. You know, I never thought I would say during this time that I hope someone TPs my house, but <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm watching the rolls, I'm counting them and I'm like, you there know, you go. not uh-huh. one hoarded, just saying. <laughs> uh, we, we didn't either. And I have a friend who says, she says, I live by myself. I have three rolls of toilet paper left. And so she says, I'm counting the squares. I'm like, well, that's a, that's a hashtag if I ever heard one. Count the squares, people. So, but yes, indeed. So, uh, so this is good. So the study is uh, totally based on the one another's in the New Testament. Cause depending on the, the, um, translation you look at there are between 50 and 60 one another's the things like love one another and, and pray for one another, confess your sins to one another. And although some of those like greet one another with the Holy kiss, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of social distancing <laughs> issue with something like that. The truth is most of them can be done. Um, even with social distancing. Wow. And it's so beautiful. You know, I have to say when I was first a Christian that, that greet one another with a holy kiss and I was new to the scriptures, I found a way to use that scripture. <laughs> uh, on a cute guy? Yes. <laughs> okay, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so, you know, thank God that he just grows us up, you know? <laughs> Isn't that true? Isn't that true? And now we're like, whoa, oh gosh, here it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So the exactly. scripture for this episode is taken from Romans twelve ten. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I think this scripture is the desire of our hearts. We want to find that kindred spirit, someone who will be devoted to us and we can be devoted to, someone who gets mm-hmm. us, who's loyal to us. But as you put it in your Bible study, people can feel lonely and left out. Why is that? So actually the study came out of it's kind of two prongs. The first prong was as I was traveling the nation, no matter where I was, no matter what the socioeconomic or, um, you know, racial or whatever background, um, from which a person came, I consistently heard women say that they were lonely. It didn't matter if they were married or had a zillion zip codes of kids or whatever people, women are struggling with this loneliness. And I think, um, I also had the same thing. We had just moved to a new community and I was feeling left out. I would scroll social media and what it was painfully obvious that there were things to which I was not invited. And, um, and so I knew God's word had an answer to it, but the truth is we were created for community. When we Mm. were, when we were, when we were fashioned in God's image, he is one who lives in community in perfect community, father, son, and Holy spirit. The Trinity illustrates this perfect model of unity and humility and camaraderie and love, selfless love. And we were all designed, um, when we were made in his image, we were designed with that as well. And I think we just honor him and glorify him. We, we literally give him praise when we love one another well. And I think that's why so much time was spent in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit, um, through the writers of the New Testament, made sure those one another's you know, continued to um, be a theme so that we would have some like rules of engagement when it came to how to do that well. Mm. You know, because he created us for community, I think Mm -hmm. we can't live the Christian life in isolation, which is a challenge right now, but there can be so much division at times in community. And with that comes wounds that cause people to build walls. You mentioned that we must face the fact that it can be risky to put ourselves out there. How do you recommend people do that when they have been wounded in the past? Ooh, that's a good one. 
I mean, the pat answer would be just take baby steps. But mm. I think that what comes to my mind is like the junior high dance. When I was in junior high, okay, so in fifth grade, I was 5'10 in fifth grade. So you can imagine I am at least a foot taller than <laughs> every boy within a 20 mile radius. And the junior high dances were, were so painful. Um, but we would sit up against the wall and wait for somebody to ask. And it, that happened my seventh grade year. In my eighth grade year, I just finally said, ladies, are you tired of standing against this wall? Yeah, me too. Let's dance. And we just were silly friends that danced in the middle. And you know what? Those were the best dances. So nobody asked me, but I just said, let's do this together. And there was no drama. There was no, we just danced. Our, there was no time for drama. We just danced our faces off. And I think that that's the deal with other people. I think you need to be willing to say, Hey guys, let's do this. You know, um, let's mm. stop waiting for someone to pick up the phone to call me. Let's in community, let's get together and let's, you know, let's dance together. I think, yeah. um, you know, that seems so silly, but you know, be willing to take the risk. Is it risky? Yes. It feels so vulnerable to, to call somebody and say, Denise, Hey, will you, will you hold me accountable? Will you be my friend? Will you, will you tell me what God is teaching at this time? Will you give me your favorite recipe? Cause I'm tired of the ones that we're doing at my house and, or whatever. It's vulnerable to ask somebody to dance with you, but um, the, the joy and the exhilaration and the, and the friendship that comes from that vulnerability um, can be huge. Does it always work out beautifully? No, frankly, some people are better dancers than others. And some people want to get caught up in the drama. But the important thing is, is that you are willing to put yourself out there and God will use it in amazing ways. That's wonderful. And you know, you don't have to wait for someone else to invite you to have fun. We can choose that on our own. Agreed. I love that word there. Vulnerability is mm. certainly a stumbling block that can prevent us from taking that chance. But you also mentioned in your study that judgment is a stumbling block. Mm. And I love that you, you mentioned that you are that friend who will let you know if you have broccoli between your teeth, because I'm that friend who would have the broccoli between my teeth. <laughs> I need a friend <laughs> like you. But yes. seriously, I think comparison is a detractor Ooh. from making true friends. Mm. We all probably feel like we don't measure up. And you mentioned also in your study that we need to make up our mind not to undermine or judge one another. Why do you think we can be tempted to undermine one another? Well, that's such a good question. In fact, um, when the study was over, when my husband was reading the study, he said, do you realize that you talked about your girlfriend group and you felt the need to put the qualifiers that they're thinner and are better, like are more settled um, financially? And these are people I love. He's like, these are your cronies, and yet you still fall into the trap of what I call the compare snare, because mm. uh, I do think we get caught in that. Um, and these are people I love, and this is not even people I have issues with, but I think, Denise, honestly, I think it comes from the curse. So um, if you remember in Genesis, when Adam is, you know, when God is, uh, gives Adam the curse, his curse was that he, that he would work off the sweat of his brow, you know, that he would work all the days of his life. And so his curse was kind of vocational his like revolves around work but a woman part of eve's curse was that she would have desire for her husband there would be pain in childbirth which we can talk about later but that, yeah. that she would have desire for her husband so her curse was relational so his was vocational hers was relational so i think sometimes the most awesome thing that women can offer is that we are relational by nature like it's part of who we are but the other side of that the curse side of that is that 
that is where we can also erode other people. We can really um, hurt other people. So when you look at female babies, and I, I'm not just saying, I, I know that this seems like a general statement, but when they do research on female babies, female babies make eye contact almost six weeks late, earlier than their male count. Wow. We love to have that eyeball to eyeball. I truly believe one of the greatest gifts God gave women is this ability to connect. It's not that men can't be great connectors because they can, but we have this wonderful gift, but on the underbelly of every gift, if we don't give it to God, if we don't release those things and submit that to him, then if we put it in our own hands, then we use those same gifts as weapons of war, that same thing. And I feel when we feel disconnected, instead of going to God and saying, I feel lonely, I want you to be my portion. We feel a need to use that gift of connection. Um, and we hurt other people. We, we, we disconnect and we hurt. I mean, think about there is, I know hell hath no fury, like the scorn of a woman. I think that's great that William Shakespeare said it, but if he, he was never a seventh grade girl, because I think, oh man, there is nothing worse than the drama that can happen when we're at a peak of insecurity. And so, um, and that plays itself out when we disconnect from others out of a disconnection in ourselves, disconnection from others, disconnection from God. And that's how we respond. What do you think? Yes. Well, it's funny because right when you said the word portion, that was the word running through my head. Mm. Uh, That's been a word God has been having me camp around for a while, though, in many areas of my life, being content with what he's provided for us and Mm. we're not intended to compare to anybody. Uh, God has a unique plan for each one. And that plan Mm -hmm. includes what he's gifted us with and what he's called us to. And it shouldn't be looking over that fence like Wilson. (laughs) Right. Not over there, you know? Yes. And that leads me to that next question I have. You know, in your study, you mentioned jealousy of those Mm -hmm. who appear perfect. I think this is something we can all relate to because we live in a shame culture fueled by perfectionism and pride And let's face it, none of us could ever measure up, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I feel like, um, Pinterest is, um, delightful. Love me some Pinterest, but something that is, um, so frustrating is that I feel like people have used that as one more tool to compare themselves, even to strangers. Mm. We have, we have memes about how the Pinterest cake looks and how my cake looks or however that works, but you know, there was a time that you could just say, Hey, we're having kids over and we're going to have pizza for the, the, you know, the kid's birthday. And now it's like, Oh, I've handmade my own napkins out of trees that I've planted (laughs) in the Amazon. And, you know, and you just think like, Oh my gosh, I feel like less as a mom, uh, you know, less of a mom. So, um, I think that that is, um, I think that again, going back to the curse, it's so funny that we, I keep coming back to this, but you know, I think envy of what others might have is part of what got us into this trouble in the first place. You know, mm-hmm. Eve is like, Ooh, I want to have, I want to have that wisdom. I want to, instead of keeping her eyes on this perfect fellowship that God, you know, surrounded them with Eve had the freedom to walk around with no clothing on. And she was free to do that. And I think, Oh my gosh, how cool would that be? Cause mm-hmm. right now, 
I would be looking at everybody else and looking at my, I mean, I, I would spend the whole time, not in freedom, but in judgment of myself and looking at other people and what is that? And I'm bigger than that. And I'm, you know, um, I've got wrinkles in crazy places or whatever. And I just think she missed out because she put her, she took her eyes off God and, um, mm-hmm. Adam too. Um, and I think that we, I think we miss out, we block blessings when we don't just, again, going back to letting the Lord be your portion Mm. and, um, letting the Lord, um, remind you just how precious you are to him and not letting Pinterest, um, vote, uh, what a great, um, creation you are, but instead go to the creator, the one who, who you're the mat, you know, he calls us our masterpiece. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that is enough. And if we would just sit and marinate in that, then I think we would take our eyes off Pinterest and off our neighbors. And, and it's a blocker of community. Um, if we're spending energy looking at, oh man, I wish I, I wish I looked that good in jeans, or I wish I had perfectly behaved children like that person, or I wish I had that house or if we would spend that, that energy and just think, oh, praise you, God, that you've provided for these people. Yes. And thank you that you put them in my life. That's, that's contentment in Christ. And that's a, that's a goal for me. That's a Pinterest pin for me at this point. I'm not there yet, but um, I continue to try to grow in that for sure. Well, and I think it's, you know, recognizing it and at that moment, asking God to help, you know, mm. may we choose kingdom mentality and truly. Yes. And I've asked the Holy Spirit because, you know, you don't even recognize it sometimes. It'll be that little nudge uh, in your heart like, hmm. Yes. (laughs) That person had a best-selling book, you know, like in two days, you know, what's up with that? And then you think, praise God, it's kingdom work going out. Okay, so so Denise, I'll be honest with you. I'm still working full time in all of this. (laughs) And so when people are like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with all this time. I wish I could say that I have that kingdom mentality. I love that terminology, Denise. I'm going to steal it in Jesus' name. But <laughs> I, I love that because don't you know that God is going to do amazing work to those people who are who are who have the margin at home right now, right? Oh, and yes. I should be thankful I have a job, right? But instead, I'm like, oh, well, it must be nice that you're launching 47 books and 38 Bible studies and. <laughs> And a new, you know, I, I, I should be that way. And I just think, oh, well, praise the Lord. That's so great for you. You know, but I'm not praising the Lord. I'm, I'm being a turkey lip. So, uh, so yes, absolutely. So please be clear. The author of this Bible study has not nailed any of this stuff. She is just a, I'm just a Sherpa. I'm just, you know, leading the, the journey, but I am on the journey for sure. Well, be encouraged because we all are. And, you know, I, I think about Paul. Mm. And how he was, you know, tent maker. And he's, he was saying, I could ask of you, mm. you know, that you provide for me. You know, all these other people around me yes. <laughs> are doing that. But I, I'm working. And, you know, I, I feel that because I, I work a full-time and a part-time job and do the work of ministry. And people think, why do you do all this? Are you trying to kill yourself? <laughs> and I say, you know what? The passion, yeah. the passion inside me to get what God is revealing to me in his word out to people is huge. But what I had to finally Agreed. come to was realizing Jesus wasn't counting followers, how many he had, number one. And number two is I'm just called to be faithful. That's it. 
and uh, not to be successful, to be faithful and whatever God wants to do with that. But mm. I have to remind myself of that many times. But uh, so, you know, one thing too, um, our own selfishness is another issue that separates us from community. And I yeah. wonder if you have any tips to help us recognize this in our lives or to rid selfishness from us. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, well, obviously to pray about it, I think to, um, recognize, you know, help my, help my disbelief, you know, to pray about it and just pray that God would open your eyes, take scales off your eyes. If there are areas that you are feeling selfish, I know I, for me, um, the other thing I've done is I've gone back over my prayer journal and I've recognized how many eyes are in it versus how many you's are in it. Hmm. and I know, again, your journal should be a place that it's the cry of your heart and you're, you're not editing. So you never want to get to a place in your journal that you're editing yourself so that you don't look selfish. But, uh, for me, it's a pretty good litmus test. If my prayer journal is just like, and then I, and then I, and then I, instead of, Oh God, you're so good. You are, you're the provider. You're, you're everything. It, uh, for me, that's a pretty good indication uh, that I have some, mm. some selfishness. I also, um, I have in my life, thankfully I have what I call love and shove friends. We talked a little bit about this people that are willing to point out if you have broccoli in your teeth, but I have people who are willing to, to speak hard truth to me. And when I'm feeling that way, first of all, if you're feeling like you're selfish, chances are, it's like, if you know, you're thirsty, <laughs> doctors will say, if you feel thirst, you're already really thirsty. Like you're already dehydrated if you're feeling thirsty. Hmm. So, um, so I say to my friends, Hey, will you help me? Will you help me with this? This is something I'm struggling with. Where do you see this in my life? And that is hugely hard. It's so hard to have somebody love you enough to say, actually, <laughs> um, you make this about yourself and you like, you have to add a story, um, to everybody's, um, story and you feel like you need to try, you know, like, they, they love me uh, enough to do that. So reading my journal, praying, asking friends for hard um, input. And um, the big one for me is I memorized Philippians chapter two. Mm. Um, and things like, you know, your attitude should be like that of Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Obviously he was God. He had full rights to be 100% unhumble. And yet... He chose humility every time. It, it, I truly believe it's his choice and it's a submission to God mm. that Jesus has modeled and then has called us to do likewise. And so that was a good one for me as well. That Philippians, the second chapter, so meaty anyway. Um, and so because the, I'm on the struggle bus when it comes to selfishness, pride is my major um, issue that I continue. It's, it's a repeating theme, recurring theme in, in my life. Um, that's something, that's how I've tried to, um, get a handle on that and hold those thoughts captive. I'm still, I'm still on the struggle bus. So I'd still love your prayers and, uh, any input you have. How about you? What do you, what Amen. do you do when it comes to selfishness? Well, I think you really nailed it. Um, we need to be in our word daily and, it, and it's not a to-do list mm -hmm. or a, okay, you know, I just have to do this as a good Christian girl. <laughs> it's our desperate need of right. God and humility. And this is how mm -hmm. I think we have good mm -hmm. fellowship with others. If, if we aren't in our word, well, then, you know, that flesh is going to come on out. 
But when we are in the word, then we are able to hear the Holy Spirit revealing to us the selfishness. And I love that you memorized, you know, the the scripture there. You know, I think taking that time to say, I'm going to not just write this down in my journal, but I'm going to commit it to memory. Mm. Um, uh, Certainly accountability is another thing. You know, my husband and I uh, will hold each other accountable in different areas of our life that are our struggles. And um, it's great because we do it in a way that's humble. It's not a, aha, (laughs) you know, there you are. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, we, we love each other enough. As you said, Mm -hmm. uh, you have your friends there who are able to do that for you. But I think paramount for me is, is being in God's word. Um, Yeah. So good. Sometimes different personalities or flat out disagreements or offenses can prevent community as we hold on to bitterness instead of holding on to one another. These disagreements or differences can also keep us from going deeper in fellowship. This has been something that I've seen a lot, not just in the body of Christ, but in general life. People get offended and then they have made this declaration like, I'm going to shun you or I'm going to demonstrate that I'm offended by you. Have you ever experienced that? And how do you deal with that? Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? You cannot have (laughs) my kind of personality and not have some kind of discord. I mean, like a bold discord. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Again, I think, again, this is why the Holy Spirit had the writers of the New Testament focus on these one and others because they knew we would be on the struggle bus. They knew this would be an issue for us. And so I... Uh, was asked to speak on this at one time. And I came up with the three kind of major areas, the three prongs of this. Sometimes it's sin issues. You know, poor choices disconnect us from other people, period. End of discussion. And sometimes the other person's aware of it. Sometimes they're cognizant uh, of what God's word says. And sometimes they're not. And sometimes we're engaging in disagreements with people who are unequally yoked when it comes to where they are with scripture. You know, when I have conversations with family members of mine that do not believe in Jesus, for me to say, well, you know what the scripture says, judge not lest ye be judged. Well, they don't believe in the scripture. So for them, they're like, what? I, you're, this makes no sense to me. But for those that are in Christ, for those brothers and sisters in Christ, to encourage one another to, to, um, to repent and to get uh, to, to get real with God, uh, can also cause some discord, you know, for me to say, Hey, Denise, I see this in your life. If you are not grounded in Jesus, you might want to punch me in the neck, right? This could cause discord. So Mm -hmm. I think some of it is sin issues. Our poor choices disconnect us from other people for sure. Sometimes it's what I call win issues. So sin issues and win issues, win issues are insecurities over which we need victory. Sometimes it comes from our own insecurities and we need victory in those areas. And so sometimes um, we are actually the most judgmental and we're the most frustrated with people when they struggle in the same area we do. So I said already that pride is my biggest, um, that is for me, um, the, the, the thorn in my flesh. Well, guess what types of personalities, guess what types of choices plug me in the most quickly where I get the most judgmental. It's when people are prideful, Mm. the very, that very sin issue with which I struggle, I see it most quickly in other people. It's like our, our children, when our children do stuff that we don't like about ourselves, when they model that you're like, Oh, you're going to stop that. I mean, that's got to stop right there. (laughs) Well, it's because they're, 
literally modeling what we're doing and we don't like it about ourselves. So we quickly see it in our kids. And I think we quickly see it in other people. So there are sin issues. There are win issues, those insecurities over which we need victory. And then there are what I call VIN issues. Like the VIN number on a car is what makes it different, what makes it special, what sets it apart. And then those are just personalities that don't meld, right? And sometimes that happens in the body of Christ. There are people that if you said, I'm going to start a survivor island, there are people that you'd be like, okay, Lord Jesus, I love them. And I know you died for them on the cross, but I would not like to invite Amberly to my, you know, to my island. She, um, she makes me crazy. Um, and, um, and sometimes, you know, I think it's okay to not love, um, everyone. Um, it's important to love everyone, but I love to spend time with everybody the same. So loving them. Absolutely. But I do believe that there are personalities that that are just different. And I think that is okay. I don't think it is an excuse to not have fellowship with them. I don't think it's an excuse to disallow them to be part of your life. But I I think that sometimes they're just different personalities. And I think that's okay. I think as Christian women, sometimes we're like, oh, no, everybody has to be invited. Everybody has to get along perfectly. Well, I hope that works for you. I've never (laughs) been in a situation where everything was all happy doodah. So sin issues, win issues, and then vin issues, those personality traits that don't, that don't quite meld. Yes. Well, you know, one thing too, the Lord has shown me is that when someone is offended by me or with Mm -hmm. me, I don't have to respond in like manner. Uh, Sometimes the Holy Spirit will key you in when something's coming your way. (laughs) Get ready. (laughs) As a leader in church, you're going to have people who come up and they just want to vent on you. And to, you know, I think about the scripture, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so when someone is coming at me, let self get out of the way. And there are a couple times, um, I guess maybe a couple years back, one person in particular, you know, it's like they're coming at you and you know, okay, here it comes. Yeah. My prayer is God, let me not think of self. God, let me glorify you in this. Let me respond as you would. And so I'm praying at this moment, prepare me, God, because I can tell this is not going to be fun. And it's really beautiful because really it then becomes a, a concern for them. Mm-hmm. as a absolutely to a, a concern for me you know why did you say that about me you know but I think yeah. our self-focused approach to relationships can inhibit authentic fellowship mm. we can approach relationships wanting to see what they can do for us instead of how we can encourage one another one last question I have for you you mentioned hospitality as a factor mm-hmm. in our relationships that I think ties in well to this notion of serving one another. Can you share on the significance of hospitality in our relationships with one another? Oh, absolutely. First of all, uh, I will say, I've said for so many years, it's not my gift. You know, I'm so envious of people with the gift of hospitality. It's not my gift. But the truth is we're all called to be hospitable. It's one of the, um, when, when they talk, when they make a list of um, church leaders, they talk about hospitality. Um, and we're called in Romans 12, 13 to share with the Lord's people who are in need and to practice hospitality, which is beautiful. That word practice, it doesn't say nail hospitality, do hospitality perfectly, like stick the dismount every time. It doesn't say that. This is to practice it. 
Well, in order to practice something, there has to be some kind of regularity. And I think that that's the other thing that we're missing out on. Our lives are so busy, at least they were before this pandemic, uh, that we did not have the margin. We didn't make the margin to practice hospitality. First uh, Peter 4, 9 says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So even if you do open your doors, are you doing it with fullness? Are you doing it out of... Are you running on fumes? Are you grumbling about it? Are you frustrated before they get there? And then do you, you know, grumble once they're gone? Um, we're, we're, we're called to this life of hospitality. And I loved, um, I know that you read through the study, but this is one of my favorite parts. Um, I'm probably giving all the goods right here. Like this was my, <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the study is that first, first church um, in Acts um, one of the things that they have found over um, in, in history is that the first church would set up these little hospitals, what they called hospitals. That's where we get our word for hospitals, but um, to offer hospitality to people because they knew people were on a hard journey. So they would set them up, not in the nicest neighborhoods and the coolest places. They set them up in these places where they knew the journey would be rough and that believers would need a safe place to land. Mm. And my big thing is, you know, so I get frustrated about all the, you know, timing the dinner right and whatever. I love to cook, but when people come over, I have a tendency to like overdo. And then I spend so much time and I care about the meal, but I don't, I didn't take the time to really hear them. But to me, that was so encouraging that what hospitality means is be a safe place where people can share their burdens on their difficult journey. And we can offer them the hope of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what that looked like. And, um, that was so, that was so freeing to me. I finally was like, okay, I don't have to, my house doesn't have to be perfect. Not everybody has to be like perfectly behaved or on their best behavior. Uh, there can be socks on the ground and there can be, um, only Kool-Aid, you know, to offer them. But the truth is we have the opportunity to offer them the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and to, uh, be a caring loving ear for them to share their burdens and to be a hospital. And again, same word as hospitality, same root word. Mm. Um, we can be a safe place, a healing place for them in Jesus name. And up oh, that to me was so encouraging. That was worth the price of admission for me in doing the study. That is so beautiful. And you know, when I think about the body of Christ, I've heard the church likened to this analogy that it should be like a hospital. You know, it should be a place where we're taking care of those who are sick, who are wounded. Um, so love, love that. So Amberly, this is such an encouraging study. We're going to need to continue this discussion next week. I hope that you will be back. Oh, absolutely. I would love to be there. Well, awesome. And did I hear that your study uh, is also going to be providing free videos? Yes, I'm so excited about this. So um, people can get that information on my website, which is www.amberlymeese.com. So A-M-B-E-R-L-Y-N-E-E-S-E.com. But I'm so excited to say that because of all the happenings in our world, um, my publisher chose, um, I think, three studies that are coming out this spring and our videos. So the teaching portions of these videos uh, will be available for free, which is amazing. I'm so excited, which means um, people can either just watch those um, and be encouraged by those, or they can buy the Bible studies. But that's something that you could do on Zoom. You guys could watch the video together and then do the study. But I just, I'm thrilled that they're offering that for free. So people get on my website as soon as that information is available. Um, 
then they will have access to get that, the video uh, component for free, which is super exciting. You can watch the first week on it on YouTube, but if you want to see all four weeks plus the, the wrap-ups, uh, you can get them for free, which is so exciting. I love free. Free is a great word. That's awesome. And I love your suggestion of doing it through Zoom. So, so guys, we studied today or we talked about today finding your tribe. And next week, we're going to discuss how to thrive in our community. Leave a comment to be entered to receive a copy of Amberly's study. The raw truth is that relationships don't just happen. They take work. The radical grace is when we follow Christ, he leads us to a community of people we can relate to in grace. And the real hope is even when we fall short as a friend, God will complete the work he began in us. You've been listening to the Black and White Podcast, where we filter life through the Bible and live life in the freedom of truth. 